0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey,
1: everybody, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm joined today by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. And also joining us again, it's been a little while, Terry Pluto uh, is is on the pod today. Terry, how are you?
2: I'm well, Scott. And as Dan, I'm okay with you, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I was a little left out there, to be honest. Okay, well, um, today
1: is a sort of weird day because uh, we're seeing players report on social media. Uh, The Browns, of course, are tweeting out photos of players coming into the facility to get tested on a normal day, a normal year. This would be kind of our day to be in Berea. We'd have press conferences with uh, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. We'd be gearing up for practices. Uh, Training camp would be in full swing instead. We're all sitting at our houses on Zoom recording a podcast. Uh, Players are going through testing. They're going to get equipment this weekend. They're going to ramp up and not even really take the field for real until the middle of August. Take the field. They're not even allowed in the building yet, are they? Yeah, right. Well, the some of the rookies and quarterbacks who have passed are, but you're right. The players that are getting tested today aren't even allowed in the
2: building. They just go to this this weird tent thing. They go in there and <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it it's come just, out.
1: It's just a reminder of how bizarre this is, and the NFL <laughs> has had the NFL has had the calendar in its favor, and now that calendar is catching up to them. Yes. Um, but let's talk about something you wrote, Terry. Uh, because this would have be kind of the normal start of training camp. You wrote about how this weird training camp is going to impact some guys. And I thought, you know, let's talk through some guys, whether it's undrafted guys, guys who are on the roster that, you know, this kind of weird wonky camp might benefit, might hurt. Um, you know, where were you kind of going with that? And who are some guys that stood out to you that maybe uh, you looked at and said, this is not good for, for these guys?
2: Well, I'm going to start with the obvious and see what Scott thinks too on this. And, um, If you're going from right tackle to left tackle, we could all look at our little boxes in Zoom and talk about how we're doing. We could even do your your stance on Mm -hmm. Zoom. But and to really learn to make that adjustment, as Jedrick Willis does, uh, you got to be out there doing it. And then also, I didn't realize it until I was kind of putting the whole notes together for the weekend, that the Browns are only going to have two uh, lineman who started opening day last year back, which is Batonio. offensive lineman I'm speaking of, Batonio and Treader. you know, if they play Wyatt Teller at the other guard, I mean, he played quite a bit, but he didn't start there and the tackles are all new. Um, and the offensive line does have to be like a hand with, you know, five fingers. Joe Thomas told me that a long time ago. Each one's different. You know, you need them all kind of working together if you don't think so, take two of them together and then try to do something with the other three, uh, you're, you have problems. And that is muscle memory. I mean, a lot of all the football stuff is muscle memory. Uh, so anyway, I, I started with the offensive line just because they're the ones that need the reps. They always want to be out there and get it. And you know, they're, they're in the tent being tested. Oh yeah.
0: I, I would totally agree with that. I think, knowing what we know from last season and we saw how many things that offensive line impacted Baker Mayfield first among them. So think of how, how much, you know, Will's missed not having offseason workouts and being able to stand Mm -hmm. next to Batonio and just talk to him and kind of get used to the way he plays and have that sounding board, you know, in meetings, as they're sitting there watching, watching film, you know, you just kind of lean over and, and talk to him that's one of the things joe thomas mentioned earlier this offseason just those little interactions and things you can get from someone that you're playing with all the time especially somebody who's as knowledgeable and, and as good as batonio has been um you know it's they're finally getting to the point where you can have some of that but he missed all that during the offseason and i don't know if that really you could really replicate that over zoom the way you could being in person
2: you know i can't remember what uh, offensive line coach told me the story about it, but it was like, he was talking about how Joe Thomas is so you know caught up with all the details, and he was, the week before they played one of the really good defensive ends, and he had me put out my hand like this, and then he like kind of slapped it down like a certain part, and he said, I want to show you, this is what Joe did, and he, all week, he said, he held the other line, we're all slapping each other's hands, you know, to get, prepare for this thing. It sounds small to us, but you know, probably they're always figuring out ways to get, to hold and not get caught, too. But, again, those are things, even like right now, I'm trying to show you the hand. You can't do it. So, they need to get out there at some point and do it. And Now, granted, other teams have offensive line problems, too, and everything else. But we're talking about our team that we cover. And I'm talking about they only got two starters from last year. And it's great to have Conklin. It's great to have Willis. And you hope that Teller, even if they put Chris Hubbard or whoever they put at the other guard, could do it. but they they put a lot of money and a lot of assets into that line. And it's unfortunate for them. Uh, it's probably going to start behind.
1: Yeah, you know what else I think Jedrick Wills is missing too? And, and he'll get a little bit of this, I guess, at the end of camp, but he's missing going against a guy like Miles Garrett every day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe if they slide Olivia Vernon over there, or even if it's a second string guy, whatever he's missing, you know, Adrian Claiborne, he's missing going against these guys, because there's really only one opportunity in, the off season to really do real football work where you can hit uh, where you can have contact and that's in training camp. And that's just severely reduced right now. You only get those two weeks. And I, I do think it helps if, if you take a couple reps against a guy like Miles Garrett and, and kind of see what that feels like and, and his speed and his athleticism, that's kind of, that can kind of be your welcome to the NFL moment as opposed to, to week one in Baltimore going against that group. I, I'd love to just see Wills get to go against
2: Garrett over and over and over again. Do either of you guys, and I, I mean it's a sincere question, know how hard it is to learn the zone blocking thing that Callahan is teaching? Because I don't. But is it, is it hard? Do you guys know?
0: Well, I'll just go off what Joe Thomas told me, and he thinks it's it's easier for a rookie to come in and learn that. Okay. Uh, than, than the alternative. So there is that. And it's also a case where if someone isn't up to speed right away, you can maybe hide them a little bit easier oh, okay. and something like that because everybody's kind of moving in tandem. Um, you know, you're not necessarily out there on an island as a tackle. So those kinds of things I think are working in uh, Wills' favor.
1: I, I also think it helps that you have guys that have been in that scheme. You know, Joe Batonio played in that scheme back in 2014, uh, his rookie year. And, I mean, he's a guy that hit the ground running yeah. uh, pretty quickly. Jack Conklin knows that scheme. I think J.C. Tretter um, maybe played a little bit in it in Green Bay, and I think it suits his his style really well, too. So you have some other guys that at least have played in it uh, and, and
2: know it. But,
1: you know, it good. is – I was hoping for some good news
2: because we kind of came out – I didn't mean to come out and just bury the offensive line. But <laughs> – uh, but it, And and Scott's great point was that – opening day granted everybody got hurt and the guys are getting thrown out of games and everything else over the first few weeks that um they're on the offensive line but it just seemed to create chaos that hung over the, the offense for much of the season
1: yeah uh scott who kind of sticks out to you that might benefit or or might get hurt by this this weird offseason or this um weird
0: i'm gonna go with uh and while I, I do agree that the offensive line is probably at the top there i think the linebackers uh mm-hmm should be high on this list because you don't really know what you have. And the Browns I think have said in not so many words that they don't really know what they have yet. Uh, You know, they're, they're cross training everybody to kind of get a gauge I think on what everybody can do well, what everybody can't do well. Um, So we don't really know who the starters are. We don't really have, I mean, there's, it's going to be somebody from a group of Mac Wilson, Sione Taki Taki, B.J. Goodson, Jacob Phillips is in there, but we don't know how they're going to work together. We're pretty sure we're going to see two linebackers. Joe Woods has talked about how he wants to have more defensive backs on the field. Um, but, you know, until they get out there, and they've said this, until they get out there, you don't really know what you have in that group other than a lot of inexperience.
2: I mean, part of me wonders what these guys, linebackers, we don't need any stinking linebackers. <laughs> By the, it doesn't necessarily apply to this uh defensive coordinator but I saw Pro Football Focus had a thing where they went through what percentage of the time teams last year played five defensive backs or more and uh, which meant only a couple linebackers and the Browns led the uh led the led the league with 87% of the time they they said they looked at uh, Woods when he was with uh Denver and I think he was like 70% so there's only two linebackers but in terms of that, you know, the Jacob Phillips kid, they were high on him. You would like – you know, he would have been the kind of guy who plays the whole fourth game probably uh, and maybe quite a bit there. The other guy, and I'm checking down because I – is this guy Solomon Ajay, A-J-A-I something, something. Ajay. He basically <laughs> – the reason I look – I always look, I try to get these bonuses that they give these undrafted free agents because that gives you a hint of who they thought could play because most of these guys get five, 10, five grand, 10 grand. He got 60 mm. and you know, the mini camps and all that would have been for, for, I would say Phillips and uh, our my guy Solomon from Liberty, my new best friend here who I butchered his last name would be guys that you'd like to see more of. Um, so I don't know how they're going to work all this, but you're right. By the way, fans every week. And do you guys have any thought, are they going to bring in, has Clay Matthews Jr. signed anywhere? Has any of these guys, somebody like that? If, if Clay Matthews signed
1: somewhere, I missed it. Um, yeah, I'll, I don't I'll remember him that.
2: signing anywhere. But uh, you know, I
1: always kind of look at Jacob Phillips. I've called him the—he's um, he, still a free agent, by the way. Uh, I've called him the forgotten draft pick. Nobody—we yeah. never really talk about him, and and it just sort of makes you wonder. I, I mean, there's there's no one I look at in this linebacking core that I say. Oh, well, you can't start a rookie over that guy. You know, maybe, Mac Wilson, you make that case for just because he played so much last year. But even that, I you know, I don't know. I, I think,
2: you know, Jacob... There's playing Rose, a lot, really, and they're playing well. By this. I'm sorry, Dan, but seriously, there's playing a lot, and there's playing, re- you know, reasonably well right. and consistent. Uh, yeah. You got the first part.
0: Right. And, and remember, I think, if, I think...
2: Go ahead. What do you think, Scott?
0: I was going to say... I think, you know, as far as Matthews goes, he's basically an edge rusher at this point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether the Browns really, really need that. They need people who can cover. Yeah. Um. You got Grant Delpit to kind of go into that role, but Jacob Phillips is not that guy. Mack Wilson was that guy in the preseason, but he really didn't take that over to the regular season. We saw, saw a little bit against uh, the Cardinals late in the season. He had a good game, had a pick. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he kind of struggled. And Taki Taki's not a cover guy. DJ Goodson's not a cover guy, so – if they're going to bring in somebody else late in, in training camp, I think uh, it's going to be a linebacker who you know can cover people.
1: Can I, can I throw some trivia out at you guys? I'm curious if, if you guys know this. Were you aware that there is actually an award that we hand out in, in the media for the best training camp rookie?
2: No, Maurice Bassett Award.
1: Look at you, Terry. The you No, know I know award. that?
2: His son and I went to Benedictine together. Okay,
1: well, Mac Wilson was the winner of the Maurice Bassett Award. Wow.
0: Yeah, I remember that last year, so, and it was an yeah. obvious pick. I mean, he he was having highlights. There was a a week and a half stretch there where he was picking off passes every day,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then there was a preseason game thrown in there where he had a pick six. So it was hard to go against him last year, and then yeah, I, it was easy to be excited about what he could possibly do during the regular season when. Uh, Kirksey went down and you had to put Wilson in there but again like you said Terry the the numbers really didn't look so great once the season was over.
2: I mean he might figure it out simply by playing more the second year at least he did have all that time. One advantage to playing a lot even if you struggle a lot as a rookie is you played a lot and and even to Dan's point about Wills like if all you do is kind of scrimmage and this until you face some real people uh, it's a it's a shock for that and so that's that's one thing the speed of the game and the violence of it should not surprise uh especially uh Wilson Taki didn't Taki Taki didn't play that much but meantime when we get into whether we're talking about Phillips or Ajay, you know those are guys that they they do need to play and that's a spot they need help
1: yeah I I think this hurts Phillips because he's a guy that maybe could have come in and put together a really strong first couple weeks of camp and then maybe he had a couple really good preseason games, and now everybody's talking about him. He's mm-hmm. getting some Maurice Bassett, uh, some Maurice Bassett. That's money. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, but maybe he, he, would, he would have been able to more easily play his way into a starting job. Uh, I'm going to go in, in a different direction here. You know, the guy that this short and weird camp really would have helped is a guy that doesn't want to be here, and that's David Njoku. <laughs> And and here's my case, because we know the Browns want to run a lot of tight ends, and
2: he doesn't know that.
1: Apparently not, and I think because of the the framework of this off season and now this this preseason, the default is kind of ahead of everything else. So you go out there in week one, you kind of want you'll you'll want to just go with the default. Hey, David Njoku is yeah. the number two tight end, and apparently. He's, he's not real interested in that because he requested a trade. But I, I think this actually would have benefited him just because, you know, are you going to throw a rookie out there in Harrison Bryan? Are you going go to go throw Steven Carlson mm-hmm. out there? You know, I don't know. I think Njoku could have, and maybe he still will, could have benefited from from all of this in this scheme.
2: The other guys that – help me, I'm going to mess up his name. Uh, the, the veteran safety they signed from Minnesota, Sandejo? Andrew Sandejo. He probably would play quite a bit and uh kyle joseph will play quite a bit and then maybe delfitt you know if they go say i'm i'm going on they're going to play three safeties uh, quite a bit and whereas some of these other guys that might play more and i'm going to go to my little list here again that they gave they gave 40 grand to two undrafted free agent safeties meaning they're hoping one of them could play uh one is elijah benton another guy another guy from liberty and then the guy that actually flunked Plunked the, uh, the, the, the drug test – or not the drug test, the uh, COVID test on the way in. Javante Moffitt from Middle Tennessee. I mean, a 40 grand is a, is a healthy bonus for an undrafted free agent. My guess is they like both of them. They brought there and they're hoping that one of them can play um, and maybe play some special teams. But to your point, Dan, you know, the thing is, let's just play the two veterans and, and our higher draft pick.
1: Yeah, I just think it's going to be hard to say, you know, oh, let's make A.J. Green our number two corner. If you have yeah. gotten a good look at him. Uh, so kind of, you know, now Greedy Williams kind of gets to have a shot to, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Greedy played better than the, the PFF grades gave him last year. And Scott and I have talked about this. Part of that is, you know, maybe I'm just not watching him as closely as they are. Um, but, you know, he's he's got a chance to kind of show and, and take a hold of that second corner spot now, mm-hmm. almost by default, because they're really, unless, you know, they really like Kevin Johnson, there really isn't a guy that's going to be able to take
2: Two weeks and, and take that job. Is Kevin Johnson any good? I'm serious. I, I'm, I, I I don't know anything about him. I know they're giving him three million bucks or something, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's good enough to make that much money. Uh, I think his big attractiveness to the Browns is the fact that he has some experience playing the slot. Oh, um, he hasn't been a primary slot corner in his career, but he does have uh, you know, he does have enough snaps to to say that you know he has enough experience there to move him there full time so i think that's probably the plan um but he's certainly not coming in as a guy who's done that primarily during his career
2: and the reason we mentioned aj green he was the one that this shocked a lot of people around the nfl because the number was so high Uh, $140,000 they guaranteed him by the way they did this by actually signing them to like unguaranteed nfl contracts for the year with part of it uh, uh, guaranteed as opposed to just a pure bonus where you don't get anything else if you make it, it was a tricky salary cap thing done by those those little analytic guys
1: well that's that 's what they're supposed to be good at right? That's, right that's one of the things they should be able to uh, get get a little tricky and, and creative uh, with with the salary cap uh, and any other names here that, that we need to throw out there that, that maybe you're looking at and saying this guy would benefit or this this guy's really hurt. Uh, by, by this
2: shortened. Uh, well, my guy that I wanted, but I don't know how much we'll get to see him, Benny LeMay from UNC Charlotte, Larry, Ogunjobi's school. Uh, he, I did actually watch a little bit of YouTube on him. That was my extensive scouting. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I kind of liked him. And besides, if you don't like Dontrell Hilliard or deernest Johnson, by the way, who was D'Ernest? that Now, there's one where the all the, the regular training camp helped. I mean, who the heck was deernest Johnson when right. the camp
0: started a year ago? Well, he, he was, was in a- the AAFC, wasn't he, yeah, or the yeah
2: or something, or not we'll the AFC, a- the
0: uh, whatever the uh, what was it called? <laughs> he was in the
1: AAF and then on a fish. AAF,
0: boat. yeah, yeah, and then a fishing $3 boat. Three dollars exactly. and fifty-six
2: cents to come to camp, too, I believe.
1: Yeah, he um, he so many people didn't know who he was that actually when he would touch the ball in camp fans would chant like he was duke johnson he'd get the duke the <laughs> you know. so duke was on the sideline and even though this guy was wearing a different number they would see the the johnson on, yeah. on the back and they would think it was duke and and so he'd hear the duke chants. uh
0: i remember seeing him listed as d johnson and all the the uh the box scores and it was it got confusing even after duke left it's like your your, your mind automatically went to oh yeah duke johnson
1: yeah so uh that's um you know, with with Dontrell Hilliard too now testing. Well, we don't know if he tested positive, but he's on the COVID list. Um, you know, that that opens up opportunities. <laughs>
2: that, I heard. That's the nature of the NFL is uh, right. It, I mean, it, I thought yeah. what I thought actually, Dontrell Hilliard would play much better than he did last year. Um, it I, wasn't. I not that he'd be great. I just thought he would look like more like a decent running back and to me he was not even close to that
0: well that yeah. was the big storyline of camp yeah he was going to be the new duke johnson it just never happened yeah he was the but guy that he, was,
2: he, he wasn't was even the, the johnson <laughs> <laughs>
0: he was decent as a kick returner and, and a punt returner he 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 was adequate um you know but yeah, I think uh... I
2: remember some penalties and things like that. I knew. I remember one time he lined up wrong, and some it was strange because he'd been around for a couple of years. Now Dorsey really liked him too. Uh, that was one of his guys that he thought would come come through. So um, I don't know if there's any other running backs that come to mind, but I'm sure they have a few other guys they've stacked up.
1: It's uh, it's going to be tough to find touches uh, for for those running backs with the two guys that are up at the top. Yeah. Of the start I think. Okay, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break here. I'm going to tell everybody about Football Insider, and then when we come back, we're going to do a little Hey Terry question. Uh, we're we're going to yeah. get into uh, a question that, that Terry got from one of our readers. But first, let me tell you about Football Insider. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back, and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider?
2: I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it.
1: If I'm at work or something, and I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute, I can read. Uh, what you wrote, and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that.
2: I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up.
1: <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 Three nine six five to get signed up again to start your 14-day free trial text 216-208-3965 now back to our show here's a little uh hey terry preview for everyone uh by the time you're hearing this maybe it's up on the site already at cleveland.com slash browns terry maybe has answered it already but terry tell us about this question you
2: got from a fan it was kind of uh one because i put it up on I usually uh, look for uh, questions on my Facebook page because unlike I like to make them give me their first and last names. Uh, it also kind of raises the level of questions a little right. bit. <laughs> Although one person suggested, "Why don't you retire?" and then named a couple other writers from our paper we could I could take with me. Uh, that was always <laughs> that made my morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you two were not mentioned, so there you're. Oh, you're still right. working for this guy, but. Uh, the person said, so I ran a young picture of young Bernie. A lot of times I do these, hey, Terry, I'll find some old pictures of Rocky Calavito or whoever it is. And I ran one of Bernie with a curly, curly hair sign and autograph. So it was kind of a training camp picture. And is um, said, who was better, Bern, Brian Seip or Bernie Koza? Go ahead, Scott.
0: Ooh. Oh, Jack, I give you my, my answer right here off the bat. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Brian Seip. It's close, but I—I I, he was an MVP for one, mm-hmm. and number two, he's the all-time passing yardage leader. I think he—he's also leads in touchdowns too, in Brown's history. Um, he's a great story. He's a 13th round pick, played on the well. He didn't even play his first couple of years. He's on the taxi squad back then. He yeah, had to work wrote, his yeah, way into the, the team. Yeah, been, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm gonna say Brian Sipe. I know that people around my age have maybe fonder memories of Bernie Kosar because that's what you grew up watching. But um, I got the tail end of Brian Sipes' career, and that's, he's always at the top of the list for me. But it is close. And let's not forget about Otto Graham, but I think we're just talking well, about Brian Sipe and, yeah, and Bernie Kosar all. right now. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think Sipe Sip edges him out.
2: The interesting thing is Paul Brown never won a title in Cleveland without Otto Graham. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, Scott and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in, in one of our pods. Um, I, I heard a, I heard somebody on a, a different podcast bring up that he was watching old games on YouTube and, and he watched some old Browns Rams championship games. And I went back and, and found some of them and watched Otto Graham. And it's, it's pretty surprising what you see when, when you watch Otto Graham play from that era, but I'm going to go with Bernie, not, not just to like, It'd be opposite of Scott, but I, I'm going to go with Bernie. Why you?
2: Want, hold on, Danny. You can tell me why, but I'll tell you why you went with Bernie. You're right.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I went with Bernie in part, in big part,
1: because, you know, I think the stats are pretty close. Um, he, he's not that far behind. Well, I'm looking at his career numbers, not just his Browns numbers. Um, so maybe he is farther behind Saip on the actual Browns list, but, you know, I know there's always this debate about quarterback wins and, and how much how much credit does the quarterback get when it comes to winning, but it's just hard for me to not take into account um, the the amount of winning the Browns did, especially in the late 80s with, with Bernie as the quarterback. We, we know about the AFC Championship games, uh, you know, did everything he needed to do in the drive game. You know, same with the fumble game. They were that close to getting to a Super Bowl with him as the quarterback, uh, and, and I, I just think that's kind of the separator for me, I guess, with, with Bernie. And and obviously maybe there's a, a deeper quarterback wins discussion and how much we need to to count all of that. And, of course, Sype certainly had, had his share of wins as well with Cardiac Kids. But I, I think that
2: separates a little bit for me with Bernie. Well, you're right. How's that? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and, and there's nothing to knock on Scott or Brian because Bernie had that – certain intangibles because as you mentioned even in these quote big games they lost it wasn't because they only scored 10 points or something i mean it, it, a lot of times they were you know defense defensive problems or things like that and, and you know i saw them both but as both of you know and i've always confessed to this i am not a football fanatic you know where I the other two sports i'm more comfortable in uh, but i do think certain players and it transcends any sport their presence and their ability to have their team rise up and i really thought and brian had some of that bernie had a ton of that
1: i i would be curious um what those teams would have looked like you know bernie's teams if if sipe were the quarterback so mm-hmm. well you know if you changed him out would sipe have done just as much i, I think that's a <laughs> that would be interesting um and, and and you know one thing it, that uh, one, one thing is,
0: that Bernie it. doesn't have is the Brian Sipe doll, and I know. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that. Not, creepy not everybody out. can see the video Ugh. here on our Zoom call, but uh, you know, my grandmother I mean, and my mother made this uh, Brian Sipe doll, which the rest of my family is pretty sure will come to life one night and terrorize all of us. Yes, but that's why I have to leave it in the basement here.
2: Scott, you know it is kind of creepy that you have that, but it does explain why you picked Brian Sight. Because you know, if you turn on that little dial, <laughs> you'll become like a really bad Netflix movie.
0: There you go. <laughs> well, I'm not, it's I'm not gonna that think, creepy. Come on. That, I mean, that up there, Scott. I'm going to. It's take, got those dead you know, eyes. I know, but it's it's yeah. you know it's endearing. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you got a Force thing on your wall too, behind you. I see a Force Bennett. That's a. I would watch that Netflix movie, by the way, Terry. I think That's you've right. come.
1: I think you've come up with something. <laughs> we have. Uh, that, that guy that wants you to retire. We've all found our way out. We're going to make millions on this Netflix movie of a uh, Brian Sipe doll stalking Scott Patsko.
0: get him to do the voice. Yes.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Orange to or Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Terry and Scott for uh, jumping on here. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, every place you get your podcasts, and also check out Football Insider as well at Cleveland.com/Browns or text that number that I told you about earlier too. For uh, Terry and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.